Timo is going to come and read from Philippians for us and then Ben will preach. The reading will be on the screen. And if you're in the building and would like to follow in the church Bibles, it's on page 1180. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what is it, it to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my travels. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonia, you sent me aid more than one when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have now more than enough. I am amply supplied, and now that I have received from Ephrodotus the gifts you have sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus, to our God and Father, be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Amen. Thank you very much, Timo, and, and thank you, Evie, as well. It's great to have uh, Rooted in the service and to be taking part. Uh, we really love it, so thank you uh, very much. Um, I remember, if, uh, if you remember, a few weeks ago, we were chatting about joy and happiness, uh, and we talked about how happiness is temporary. So you might be happy by seeing a sunset, by uh, enjoying a hot chocolate and a roaring fire, by seeing the England cricket team win, uh, or by enjoying your favourite chocolates. <clears throat> And then we, we sort of said, actually, uh, those are good things, but they disappear quite quickly. You know, you go to the beach, it rains, the fire goes out, England loses the cricket, the chocolate disappears, you, you know, all those sorts of things. Uh, and we were sort of saying that actually uh, the, the key was not happiness, which is sort of here one minute and gone the next. It, it was joy. Uh, and joy was something that was much more uh, long-lasting. Uh, and the only... Uh, means we were saying, this is back in Philippians chapter 3, uh, was that actually it, it had to be joy in the Lord. Uh, he's the one who's always there, who's always enough. That was the only sort of long-lasting uh, bit of joy. Uh, and joy was just to seep through this whole letter. Uh, and once again, we get verse 10, uh, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord. Uh, again, Paul is just pouring out uh, his joy in the Lord. Uh, but his focus uh, is upon friendship. It's upon friendship. 
Uh, friendship's a concept which we uh, probably all quite familiar with. Uh, the great thinker of our day, uh, Oprah Winfrey, uh, said this. Uh, Lots of people want you to ri- want to ride with you in the limo, but what you want is someone who'll take the bus with you when the limo breaks down. Uh, that's their kind of definition of uh, of friendship. Someone who's there in the highs and the lows. Uh, there's also we can go to the Bible, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter four, uh, verses nine and ten. Uh, two are better than one uh, because they have a good return for their labour. If either of them falls down, uh, one can help the other up. Uh, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Uh, friendship is something which is really good and lies at the heart uh, of all of life. And lies at the heart of this passage uh, in Philippians. And so today uh, we're going to see a bit about Paul, a bit about the Philippian church and a bit about their friendship. But before we do, uh, let's pray. Uh, as we start. Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you that it's good. And we pray this morning as we just come to the conclusion of this letter, uh, that you would help us to see something more about ourselves, uh, something about our friendships, but also something of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, That first verse, verse 10 it's a bit of a funny one when you read it, because you, you could read it like this. Uh, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. You know, it's just that sort of sense of saying, look, at long last you've bothered to do something. But that, that's not really uh, the kind of the feeling behind it. Uh, actually, it doesn't quite get to what he's getting at. I and mean, we can see that from the second part, can't we? Uh, because indeed you were concerned for me. And so sometimes it's helpful just to, to understand the passage in our own words, which is why actually sometimes it can be helpful to have a, a, a book like this, the, the message. It's not a Bible. It's a, it's an inter- it's a translation. It's a, uh, a commentary. Um, so it's not something you study word for word, but it can be really helpful just to give a new insight uh, into a passage. And so I've not gone to the message. I've gone to the, uh, the BMV. Uh, that's the, uh, the Ben Martin version. Um, So let me just read to you. This is what I've written in my own words, verses 10 uh, to 13. Uh, Paul says, I find my joy in the Lord because of our friendship. Uh, We haven't seen each other for a long time, but I know you are thinking of me. I know it's been hard for you and that it's been hard to send help. But I know the first chance you had, you took it. Verse 11. I'm not saying I needed help. No, No, I've learned to be content, whatever. Verse 12, I know what it's like to be in need and to have plenty. I've learned to be content no matter what. Verse 13, how? Because God will keep me through all situations. Paul has learnt contentment, he says. He's learnt contentment. It's not something that we're born with. When I was born, I was born with my mother's metabolism and my dad's hairline. I wasn't born of contentment. My kids maybe are the same as me, but they weren't born of contentment either. It wasn't something that comes naturally to them. And I guess if we're being honest, we'd probably say the same thing about ourselves. I mean, just think of Adam and Eve. You can eat any tree, fruit from any tree in the garden, except. What? And what's the one they want? 
contentment, not being happy with your lot. And Paul has learned it. He's learned the highs and the lows. The, the old joke of Paul that says, you know, when he goes into a town, he doesn't say, uh, what are the hotels and restaurants like? So he says, what are the prisons like? He knew what it meant to be in want. He knew what it was like. He knew what it meant to be at the bottom to wonder where his next meal is coming from. If I am being honest, I don't think I can say the same thing. Maybe you can. There may be people here today who think, actually, I, I, I know that feeling. I, I count myself lucky that I don't think in my life that, yes, of course, there have been times that have been harder, but I've never genuinely wondered where my food's going to come from. I need to learn contentment. I need to learn that, that whatever situation I'm in, to be content. I need to learn that whatever house I live in, whatever car I drive, wherever I go on holiday, whichever supermarket I shop in, whatever activities I can afford my kids to do, to be content. To be content. But even as I was just pondering those different options, I was thinking that's quite a, that's quite a kind of a Western view of contentment, isn't it? Uh, each year at Christmas, as a family, we um, we do the shoeboxes for for the kids. And I was thinking, what does contentment look like put through that lens? The, the box given that just lights up the world for those little children. And then a few years ago, we we did it, and you could um, you could print out a little barcode and stick it in your box and look up a bit later where it went. And a few years ago, I remember, it was, I think it was 2019, um, we looked up and it went to Ukraine. And then I'm thinking, what's contentment going to look like for them, those children this Christmas? Contentment takes a whole new level, doesn't it, when we start filtering it through a different lens. And Paul's saying, I have learned to be content. And learning's tough. Whenever you learn anything, it's tough. So if you want to start to learn to run, you do couch to 5K, you know, your legs hurt, you don't want to get up, it's early, it's raining, it's tough. Or you're learning a language, you know, I recognize the letters, but the words make no sense. That was my feeling, GCSE French. Just, it's tough, it's hard, but learning's hard, but it's needed. So what, what does contentment mean? Well, I wonder, what does learning to be content mean? Well, maybe as the gas bill comes in, which is higher, much higher than you're expecting, you say, I'm not going to change my giving. I'm going to change something else in my life. And I don't mishear me. I'm not saying you shouldn't. You may well have to change your giving. That's fine. You might need to change your giving. That's fine. But if you're saying, oh, I just can't live about something, you know, I want to keep up the standard I'm used to, well, maybe there's questions we need to ask ourselves. You know, I was uh, always the one who'd um, go to Woolworths. Do you remember Woolworths? Most, you should, most of you should remember Woolworths. Then next door, don't. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I'd go to Woolworths, I'd look at the videos. Which ones do I want? Then I'd look at the DVDs. And then the Apple stores, you go to Apple. And now I can just do it online. You know, latest tech. But actually, be content. 
Not always looking for the next thing. Be content. Learning to be uh, content. Uh, Paul says he's learnt in every situation, in plenty and in need, to be content. How? Verse 13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, now verse 13 is a verse that's been sort of misused, I think, uh, over the years. Uh, that translation, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, it's from the NIV, but it's from the old NIV, from the, the 1981 version. Uh, and it's kind of used as a banner like this that says, Look, you want to be a premiership footballer? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, you want to be kind of a, a book entrepreneur? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It, it was basically used as a verse that says, you can do what you like if you've got Christ on your side. But I, I don't think it means that, really. It, I think the, the new NIV, the 2011 version here, have been much more helpful in their translation. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That this is, is the being in plenty or being in need. That Paul's saying, I can live in whatever situation there is because Christ is there. Because Christ is enough. Because Christ is there. Always there. Always enough. I can learn. I can live. I'll be okay. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul learned contentment. He's saying, I'm really grateful for your gifts, but I didn't need it. Because I'm content. And then uh, Paul jumps back in, verse 14. Uh, he jumps back into where he was going, to, to saying thank you uh, to the Philippians for their gift. And he says, look, I, you, you remember me, verse 14. You, you're sharing in my troubles. That's both you're kind of partnering with me, you're with me, and you're experiencing it, as we've heard before uh, in Philippi. Uh, but he's saying, look, uh, even though I know that I'm out of your sight, you cannot see me. You can't get me up on FaceTime. You haven't got my photo. Out of sight, but not out of mind. Out of sight, but not out of mind. Uh, time and again. Time and again, the Philippians brought Paul to mind. And, and did you notice they did something about it? Verses 15 and 16. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you, you sent me aid more than once uh, when I was in need. It's just this effusive, generous pouring out, out of sight, but not out of mind. Paul, as he said, he, he wasn't in need. He didn't need their gifts. They didn't stop them giving. They just wanted to, to show that we care. It's this friendship. And because of that friendship, they're just pouring out, pouring out. Out of sight, but not forgotten. Displaying their love and affection in real ways. As I was thinking about this, I realize I need to get better. I need to get better. I need to be better at, at, at tangibly showing that kind of love and affection in my friendships. 
As I reflected about it, I was, it's a huge generalization. I appreciate this, but, but generally speaking, most of the women in my life are much better than me. I need to learn from them. In the past, I've mentioned my godmother, Margaret, who would just write letters just to give her time of writing, writing, writing to encourage others. There's another lady from a former church who still sends birthday cards to our kids with a little chocolate bar inside. And actually, there's a ton of examples right before me here, which I could have used, but I didn't want to embarrass people. But there's so many examples here of people who are showing that same kind of loving affection. And I need to learn. I need to learn from you. I need to learn to say, you know, it's really important. People who may be out of sight, but not out of mind. The friends that I have from you know, days gone by, to still be remembering them, to be texting them. Mission partners who are in a literally another culture, who don't feel at home there who don't even feel at home here, who need to be remembered that we care for them and love them. I need to get better. Now, I know practically speaking, it is impossible to do that for everybody. If you went through your phone and said, I'm going to keep in touch with all of these people, good luck. And the chances are you'll just, just stop and you'll do nothing. You can't do it for everyone, but you can do it for someone. So who's it going to be? Who is it? Who are the people you're going to say, I'm going to make that effort. I'm going to make the effort because of our friendship. And that's what Paul's thanking them for. He says, I don't desire, verse 17, I don't desire these gifts. I'm not thankful because you've given me something that I really needed. I'm thankful because of our friendship. And in fact, verse 17 again, what I desire is more credited to your account. Because he's saying these gifts are, uh, verse 18, are a fragrant offering. A fragrant offering. See, see, Paul is thankful for the gifts, but he's even more thankful for their friendship. And because of that, because of their care for him, he's confident the Lord will supply all they need, verse 19. Not all they want, but all they need. Because... The Lord is enough. He's always there, always enough. Able to live in every situation, whether in plenty or in need. And so the the big point is that, that, that Christian friendship is a vital part of life. It's a fragrant offering to the Lord. So who are your Christian friends? Who are the ones who you look after and look after you? I hope you have them because you need them. You really need them. Remember that Paul is probably writing this from Rome. He's probably in prison. He has to pay for his prison. But it's friendship like this with Philippians and others that keep him going. So who are your friends that help you to keep going? We need them. We all need them. However old we are. If you're rooted, you you need Christian friends to help you through school. It might be that your friends aren't at your school, and that's fine. They don't need to be at your school, but you need people. You need to keep going to rooted to, to help yourself to keep going along. 
We all need Christian friends. Uh, Who are yours? Now, I'd love to give another sermon about uh, all saying we we need to give, have friends who aren't Christians, and we do. We really do need to have friends who aren't Christians, but that is another sermon for another day. But today it's saying we need Christian friends. So today, why not pick up the phone, make a phone call, send a text messages, uh, write a letter, send some flowers, send some chocolate, whatever it might be. Uh, Do something just to say, I'm thinking and praying for you. And maybe you're thinking, I I don't have any good friends like that. Well, the advice I can give is the best way to have good friends is to be a good friend. Don't wait for them. You start. You start. Make the initiative. See, Paul writes out of an explosion of, of gratitude for his friends. So who are your friends and how are you going to respond? But as we close the, the, the sermon, we're, we're not just closing the sermon, we're also closing the, the series. That This whole uh, book of Philippians that we've been walking through these last uh, few months. Uh, and if you've been with us at different points, where is it the Lord has been speaking to you? How's the Lord been speaking to you uh, through these last weeks? Uh, One of those big themes we've been saying is that Paul's constantly saying, rejoice, 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 Uh, rejoice, because it's not about who you are. Uh, Rejoice, because it's not about where you are. Rejoice, because it's not about what you do. Rejoice, because it's not about your circumstances. It's all about Christ, Uh, which is why he says in 121, for me to live is Christ and die is gain. Rejoice, rejoice. And then he says, through the whole letter, it's because it's about Christ. This, it's about unity. It's about the gospel. It's about uh, generosity. It's not about arguing and grumbling. It's about focusing on him and not about my own want and need. It's about uh, standing firm in Christ and living for him, saying that he is all that we need. And the reason... Paul says that it's because he says, actually, if you want to know what that looks like, look at Jesus. Do you remember that poem that stands right at the heart of the chapter of the book, page 1179, chapter 2, verses 5 to 11? The poem that stands at the heart of the Christian life that says, Christ has gone before you. Let me just read uh, verses 5 to 11. Chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being very nature God, did not consider equality of God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. Uh, He humbled himself by coming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus stands at the heart of all we do. Today, we've said uh, we need to be content to be generous and to be friends. Well, we can do that because Jesus was the ultimate example of contentment, who, who left his glorious home in heaven to come to be here. Now, we can do that because Jesus is the, the example of generosity that said, I'm not simply going to give you my time and my resources. I'm going to give you my very life. And then Jesus says, actually, because of that, we can be friends, friends with God. No wonder, it's in the last words that Paul says, verse 20, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So as we close, uh, in a minute the band are going to come up and play uh, for us. And it's an opportunity for us to reflect. It, it might be that you literally want to get your phone out. You don't often hear that in church, but you might want to get your phone out and text somebody. That's fine if you want to do that. Or make a note of something to do or write something down. It might be you want to pray. It might be that you want to just be, reflect and listen. But it's a few moments in which the children will come back as well before we share communion together. But we can remember, reflect, because to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.